Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What is up? It is your boy Johnny Mags back at you once again for another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am joined as always with Dan Garcia. Man, it's been a rough, rough week of Angels baseball for us here as Angels fans and as uh, podcasters. Um, you know, we we're, we're, we diligently, I mean, we were watching the games anyway because we're Angels fans, but, you know, we diligently like uh, do our research and try to get numbers up and to just see the numbers that the Angels have been putting up in the last like two weeks have been kind of hard, so um but man a rough week daniel yeah um you know going into the week uh, after our last podcast on we did it wednesday last week yeah um you were kind of looking forward to the weekend because you had the rays you felt were you know were beatable and then you had the jays this finishing up right now you feel like that those are some winnable games too so it didn't exactly go the way um people planned but you know every team's gonna have these up and down weeks in a couple weeks so Hopefully they get them out of the way now to where, I mean, we were talking about before we went on that they're still 28 and 22. Yeah. Um, Six I, games over. Yeah. So, I mean, in the beginning of the year, if you would have said two months into it, this is going to be the record. A lot of people would have took it. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it sucks that they struggle so much. But, again, it kind of helped that odd that the Angels got a good start this time. And yeah. so now they have kind of a, some wiggle room. And a lot of people have been talking just, you know, when it's not one thing, it's the other with this team. And that's just a, it's a part of a part of baseball. You got to find consistency. You know, uh, at the beginning of the season, it was starting pitchers not being able to get past four to five innings. And then it was kind of like the bullpen that was our saving grace. It was kind of coming in and, and keeping us in games. And then for a long while there, the offense was just uh, crazy hot. And, uh, you know, the pitching, you know, was getting saved by the offense. And then there for, for a little bit, the bullpen was struggling a bit. So, um, it's all about finding that consistent flow of things. And like you said, Dan, it's, it's a, you know, a roller coaster ride. The baseball season is a roller coaster ride. So, you know, if, if they're able to sustain themselves above 500, something the angels just could not do last year, I right? Mean, they were battling just to stay above five or even to get to 500. And when we did get to 500, it'd be one or two games over. And then there we go back down. So if they can consistently stay, you know, above 500, stay afloat, you know, they'll be okay. Um, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. 
And uh, but you know these games count; they all count the same in September. So let's go over the weekend review. We uh, did the podca- podcast on the 16th, and uh, the Angels played that day against the Houston Astros. It was the last game of the series. And the Astros went ahead and they shut us out behind Justin Verlander. I mean, Verlander went Verlander. Yeah, we were talking and we were texting in our group text about just how ridiculously good Justin Verlander is. He pitched nine innings, five hits, no runs, one walk, seven Ks. That's Verlander being Verlander. Yeah, like I mean, and still too. Garrett Richards had a good game himself, seven mm-hmm. innings, two only two runs. So again, it wasn't like they got lit up or right. or the pitching got lit up. So another good quality start from a pitcher, which is something they really needed. But yeah. When Verlander's pitching like he was that night, I don't care who's in your lineup. You could probably put out the AL All-Star team, and it's, he's probably going to give up no or one run. But It wouldn't matter. Um, yeah. I mean, that's just one of those games where you kind of tip your hat and say, okay, well, there's nothing you can do about that. That dude was just on fire yeah, that night. Yeah, Verlander was, was Verlander. Yeah, you, you talked about Richards. He pitched seven, four hits, two runs on a two-run home run by Evan Gaddis in the second inning, and that was it. Yeah. And, and then, I even think those runs weren't earned because of an error before that. Right. And, so. and that's, you'll see a common theme of that going through the, <laughs> through the week. But, yeah, oh, yeah. So, so, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. He gets a mistake early, but he, he calms himself down. He shuts it down. He goes the rest of the day, and he's fine, the rest of the game fine, and then the bullpen comes in for the eighth and ninth, shut it down. Still gives him an opportunity to at least tie or do something, but um, – you know, Verlander just win a complete game, and there's nothing you can really do about that. Yeah, no. I mean, Verlander is one of the best pitchers in the bigs. Um, he's right up there with Kershaw. He, yeah, he's you know, probably leading for the Cy Young right now yeah, if you look at it. Yeah, that ridiculous. Um, I'll take him on the mound, Bulldog on the mound. I'll take him over anybody any day of the week, man. So not a, like, not a, a crew. I mean, it wasn't a horrible loss. Yeah, I, I'd rather can, have him lose like that to right, a guy exactly, like that, yeah. you know. Um, when they only gave up two runs in the first or second inning, and to go the rest of the game without allowing a run, that means that the pitching staff did its job. It's just they got outmatched. Right. So they took the loss on the 16th. Moving on to Thursday, they had a four-game set against the Rays, and we were all hoping the Angels would, you know, would take the series or at least split. They should against the Rays, you know, but Chris Archer took the mound against the Angels on Thursday, and the Angels got just pretty much – they pretty much got blanked. Uh, the only run came off of Ot- off of a Otani home run in the ninth. Yeah, late. The only run in the game for the Angels. Uh, the offense only was only the must – only mustered up three hits. Archer was pitched six and two-thirds, giving up two hits, four walks, five strikeouts. Um, Tyner Skaggs pitched good in this game. Yeah. I mean, um, s- yeah, six innings, one run. Yeah. That's exactly what you want. Seven strikeouts. Um we were in this game uh, until Jim Johnson came in, and, man, I called it. I texted mm-hmm. you. I said, I will be pretty upset if Crone goes deep here. And, and about two minutes did, later, yep. he went deep. And it all just kind of went downhill from yeah, there, right? Yeah, I mean, granted, the bullpen's done really well this whole year, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to say this is a, a sign of things to come no, by any no. means. But, yeah, they did have, They did give up five runs in three innings, which yeah. is something you can't do to anybody. I don't care right. what team it is. But, um, again, Offensively, they struggled. Only getting that one run super late in the game. It right. was. It wasn't like it was one one the whole game. No. It, it was one of those things where like, oh, they're up seven zero, and they, you know, whatever. They probably put in their back end bullpen guy, and he yeah. gave up a home run. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you, you will would have liked to see some more um, offense. Yeah, starting we, this. It was series. like what maybe I don't even I don't know I don't have the exact box score here, but I think it was like a two to maybe like a one one game. I don't you know. It was a zero zero game until or. Right. One zero game until Crone uh, uh, hit that home run. Uh, Jim Johnson only pitched a third of an inning, giving up four hits. Three of those uh, runs he gave up. Uh, I mean, just it, it kind of just you could just kind of tell after that, you know, that Crone home run where you were going. The offense just was struggling against Archer. Right. 
And uh, it was just one of those games, man. So, again, the offense was only up three hits the whole game. That's That wasn't going to get it done, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, too bad for Skaggs there on that one. So, the Angels took the loss on Thursday. Common theme. Here we go again. So, Friday against the Rays. The Angels took the loss again. But this time it was one of those deals where they just weren't in it from the beginning. Nick Tropiano only pitched two and two-thirds of an inning, his worst outing of his major league career, uh, giving up six hits, four runs. He walked three and two and two-thirds of an inning. That's not going to get it done. Uh, struck out four. Um, it was a bullpen game. The bullpen did pretty good considering, uh, you know, they fell behind really early. I, I believe they scored four four runs in the first inning right, or whatever yeah. it was. Um Noe Ramirez came in, pitched an inning and a third, gave up no runs. Cam pitched two-thirds, he gave up the two runs. But then Parker and Alvarez went, you know, each an inning. By then, it's already. Yeah, they were down, but they didn't give up any runs. So the bullpen did okay in this game. We were just burnt from the very beginning. The offense scoring two runs in the fifth inning and then one in the eighth. Yeah, I mean, the late Trout home run was great to see because before that point, he was in a career-high slump. Yeah, he was struggling. Before that point, he was 0 for 21. Yeah. And it's kind of funny how I don't know I don't know why, but it seems like when he's struggling, everybody struggles. Yeah. I don't know if it's a mentality where like, oh, our best player is struggling, so you know I have to press or what. But it just seems like when Trout's on, the whole offense seems to be humming. But when he's going in a slump or he's having a hard time, the whole offense seems to go down with him. And it's and it and it, it sucks to see. You know what's supposed to be a good offense be so up and down on one player. You would think, okay, Trout's struggling. Okay, Upton can pick up the slack, or or Simmons can pick up the slack. But right. once Trout was in that little slump, and you see it through the numbers, um, I mean, you're looking at Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. They scored a total of four runs in those three games, and most of it was because too Trout again was 0 for 21 before that home run on Friday night. Yeah, it's yeah, you're right. Um, I think it was you that mentioned in our in our group text about how. Well, maybe we we kind of looked at this offense like, you know, oh, it's, it's maybe not as good as we thought or as consistent as we thought. Um, I don't know. Um, I know, like I mentioned it earlier, um, Cole Calhoun not being Cole Calhoun does really change the dynamic of this team because Calhoun was like batting in like he was either batting second or he's batting in that like five hole. And now he's at the bottom of the lineup, nice. still not yeah. producing. Um you know, when Otani's not pitching or when Otani's not pitching hitting. Yeah. and Otani's not hitting and Luis is, you know, not playing, he's the only left-handed bat in that lineup. Right. And to not have any production coming from that side of the plate, you know, it, it does change the dynamic of the of the team, you know. So, you know, you lose something in, in defensively if you take him out. Obviously, you know, we'll get into that later. But, yeah. man, it's just – you're right, this, li- this lineup – it's all about, I guess, catching fire, and hopefully they catch fire. We've seen them catch fire on all cylinders already in the season, so if they can just kind of you know, get two or three guys going and not depend so much on Mike Trout and what he's doing, then we're going to be okay, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's the thing about this offense. When I said like maybe they weren't as good as we thought, maybe just because you look at the lineup, you look at the everyday lineup, you know, you know Trout's going to be Trout. You know Simmons is going to be Simmons. Upton is heating up, so that's great. But everyone else in that lineup, when it's when there's not Otani, I'm saying when he's either pitching or when he is on one of his days off, there's not a lot of clarity there. I mean, you have Kinsler, who is really, really struggling right now. He is um, – but he struggled last year, though, too. So for people to think that he was going to flip it around automatically when he came here, I think was kind of wishful thinking. Now, I'm not saying that um, – 
he can't. But if you look at the numbers last year and this year, it's the same. So there was that question mark. And then you have Pujols. Obviously, he's getting older. Obviously, he came in lighter. But I don't think that made him better. I think that just probably made him not as bad as, say, he was injured at the end of last year. Right. And I think that just really more helps him out on his defensive side. Right. And then you you have, like you said, the Calhoun struggle. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of question marks that when they're on, they're on. But when they're off, there's only going to be, like, three guys that can actually produce. And I think that's what's hurting the Angels. Like, you can't depend on them to go – you know, single, double hit to get a run or two runs. Right. It's it pretty much got to be home run, maybe a single or a double, and then another home run to get runs. It doesn't seem like they're able to put consistent at-bats back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. And I think it's shown in the last handful of games, if you look at their um, the guys left on base, yeah. they've been oh, yeah. really, really high. Yeah, And so I think that just shows the fact that, yeah, they can get a base hit and a base hit, but – trying to get that third hit in the inning it, they're struggling really hard to do that because the lack of depth right now in that lineup yeah it's it it's one of those deals where you just hope they they, they catch fire at the right time because when they do they do and and it's 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 just frustrating because we've seen them on off cylinder so now when they're not scoring the five six runs a game and you know they're getting beat by teams that they should be beating it kind of gets frustrating you know and I think a lot too changes when they, when you know you have two or three consecutive bad games, you start pressing at the plate and it shows. All right, so you know they took the loss there, so we move on to Saturday's game, and you know the Angels lose again to the Rays. So already we've lost the series. Uh, uh, Andrew Heaney pitched pretty good, um, six innings pitched, three hits. He did walk five though. That's yeah. a lot. It's a high number. He struck out seven. Uh, the second error, the second inning error, led to uh, Robertson's grand slam, and the Angels just fell behind early. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's the thing. When you look at his line, hit six innings pitched, zero earned runs, right. and four runs. And going into the season, I think one of the major um, strengths of the Angels was the defense. Was going to be their defensive play, run saved, or anything like that. So when you're struggling like that, you kind of have to lean on what the team does best, and that's the defense. And and, yeah. you, and you mentioned it earlier with the Skaggs game and the error, and here's another error where it's a grand slam. It's four runs yeah. off the bat. R- like r- real quick, right? Yeah, so yeah. It, if that error doesn't happen, because, again, it happened with two outs. If he makes a simple you know scoop and, and throw, you, the inning isn't extended, so now mm-hmm. you don't give the grand slam, then whatever. If he comes the next inning and hits a, a solo home run, it's not a big deal. Yeah. So – when you're struggling and you give up that extra that extra at bat and it comes and bites you in the butt, now you lose five to three when it could have very easily been a, a win, very winnable game. It could yeah. have been a one three game, a two three yeah. game. Um, but yeah, it, it's unfortunate that when they're in the middle of this losing streak, that something as simple as an error can just totally um, change the fortune of that one game. Yeah, for sure, and that's what it was. They fell behind early, and just couldn't come back. They tried to come back. They scored three runs on six hits. Um, I believe Trout hit a home run in this game, right? Or no? Uh, I thinking no. I'm thinking no. Okay, anyway, they they tried to make a comeback here and um, just couldn't do it. Uh, this was a game that, you know, uh, Sergio Romo uh, made the start for the Rays in this game. It's, uh, I believe, the first time in 500-plus games that he's uh, play, pitched in that he starts. Yeah, his first major league mm-hmm. major league start, yep. So he pitched in over a 500 whole, games. A whole one inning. Yeah. But he struck inning. out the but side. he struck out three. He struck out Mike Trout. He, he struck, struck out, out Kinsler, and he struck out Upton. So, um, it's interesting way the Rays were doing it. That, that is really game. weird because a guy that came in after him was went a and pitched like, yeah, and he pitched six, six and two-thirds of yeah. an inning. Well, the whole theory behind that, 
was that when your starter comes in, he's kind of kind of like what we talked before. They they get worried about that third time through the lineup. Right. So if your starting pitcher, instead of coming in and seeing one, two, three, if they come in and seeing four, five, six, that your the top of the lineup one, two, three. You can go that kind of technically that third time through, but that's only going to be their second time seeing him. Right. So he pretty much avoids that top part. Right. A little bit longer than a normal starter would. Right. That's the whole point behind that. Yeah. And you know, it's one of those things. If it works, it looks great. If it doesn't, it doesn't work, then you look crazy. Yeah. So I mean, do I think that's going to be the revolution? Uh, no, but I, I mean, so. if it works for them, if that's the way they want to do it, because Angels, like you said earlier, there's not a big left-handed bat in in the lineup really mm-hmm. i mean besides otani but even then if you put a, a right-hander out there like romo and he shuts down one two three then you can bring in whoever you want and not have to worry about you know trout maybe only sees that pitcher twice now instead of three times yeah so i mean whatever zach kozar doesn't like it he had some choice comments about it talking about how it's not good for baseball and it's like spring training you know which is kind of true but it but is to me it is. That, that, that's the point like if it if you have an idea and you want to do your bullpen or game like this, that's great. But if it gets in the head of the other team, that's only a bonus. So right. when he came out with those comments, I'm like, oh, you're you're not doing anything to push it away. If anything, you're kind of incentivizing other teams to try it just because, like, oh, if we do this, this we might get in his head early in right. the game, and, and he might be checked out the rest of the game. Yeah, so, he's pissed. Yeah. So, yeah, well, you know, Romo made the start on Saturday, and he made the start on Sunday. It was Otani Sunday, as usual. Uh Another great outing from Shohei Otani, man. He pitched seven and two-thirds of an inning, giving up six hits, two runs, only one walk, and struck out nine. Um, He was looking great. Uh, Romo made his second straight start, pitched one and one-thirds of an inning, walking two, striking out three, didn't allow any runs. Um, This day, and I think on this day, I think um, we have an email from somebody, and we'll read it later. Um, The Angels won, uh, but they, they, they scored five runs, but only on four hits. Yeah, this game. the first two runs, mm-hmm. I think when they scored, it was 2-0, I think, and it was 2-0 and with no hits. Like, right. It was like a walk, a walk, and then... Like a sack fly. Yeah, or it was a walk, it walk, was. Like, and then two sack flies, yeah. like productive outs. Right. And so, you know, I mean, yeah, and then so the offense, I mean, they scored five runs, but only had four hits. So, you know, the Angels were ma- managed to uh, salvage that final game of the series against the Rays. It would have been really bad. I mean, it's bad enough to lose three out of four. But, you know, if they would have gotten swept four, ooh, and the Angels struggle, continue to struggle at, at the big home. A. It's at crazy. Home. It's yep. weird. Because I think last year they were a pretty good home team. It's kind of funny. Usually when you come into a season, you want to be like, hey, you know, you want to play a 500 on the road and then play above that at home. Now it's kind of the opposite. You want to, they, they're hoping to play 500 oh, at the home and, and more on the road. It's but. crazy, man. And I miss the days of, you know, 2000, and I think 2008, the angels went 50 and 50, 50 at home, 50 wins at home, 50 wins on the road that That'd year. Be nice. I would, I would love that so much. But anyway, so anyway, they lost on, they won on Sunday, salvaging the final game of the series against the Rays, and they, they moved into an off day on Monday. Right. Uh, they traveled to uh, Toronto. Toronto. Um, Canada, Canada, the neighbors to the north. Right. Eh? And it's I always like the games in Canada because, I, I don't know, I think uh, the Sky Dome has that old feel to it, even though it's quote-unquote a modern stadium, but it was built in 1989. It's like the, it's like the first modern yeah. stadium. It's funny because it's the first retractable yeah. roof and all that. But, yeah, it's like the quote-unquote first yeah. modern stadium. Yeah. And uh, I always liked watching games there. Um, I think the stadium looks a lot better than it did, like, maybe a few years ago. Um, well, now they got rid of the astral turf. And yeah, it's, actually it's all like dirt on the infield. Dirt on the infield. And, and, you know, they still have that 
uh, field turf, whatever you want to call it. It's a little outfield. bit better than but that. It's, but hard. visually, yeah, visually yeah. it looks a lot better, yes. And uh, But anyway, uh, they lose again, extending, you know, extending that, that – that weekly weekly loss rate in here, like I believe we were, they were two and like three now with the win today, but they're like three and whatever uh, in the week. But anyway, uh, Richards, um, tough again, another error. Yeah, Eric uh, Young the, error. Yep, or Chris the, Young, sorry, Chris, Chris Young, Young contributed to the five run first inning. Um, the Angels' offenses didn't recover. I mean, they just fell behind way too early. They gave yep. they they're down five nothing in the first inning. Um, and that was it. Those were the only runs the Rays scored. The Angels tried to come back. Um, the one thing that stood out to me, though, is the Angels made J.A. Happ look like Cy Young out there. I don't know, man. He was dealing. Seven innings pitch, three hits, two runs, three well, walks, five Well, he is their Ks. main guy. And they were talking about it a little bit today that if they were going to move on and rebuild, J., uh, he would be the main guy that they would, you know, besides Donaldson, be yeah. the main guy they would look to move and get some – some, um, some, uh, prospects in return right. but again yeah he looked great i mean but the angels have a habit of doing that with guys they do. when they're they sure off do. yeah when they're off they're off completely and they don't it they doesn't just, matter who's pitching it, yeah it, you know so um yeah it seems like a trend for the angels they always make that one dude look extremely good when they're not doing good uh, mm-hmm. richard's only pitched five innings giving up six hits one run one run he gave up one earned run Right, two walks. His uh, strikeout rate is a lot down, a lot lower now. He's getting a lot of pitch to contact outs, which is a good thing. Um, Richards is the kind of guy that, man, you want to see him pitch to contact because it alleviates the you know pitch count, and not only that, um, it, it it shows that when he's pitching to contact that he's trusting his stuff that guys aren't going to make solid contact right. on his stuff. And Gary Richards, to me. And we've talked about this, you know, off mic and on the mic that he's one of those guys that just gets in his head. And if one thing goes off, it, it can be a, a snowball effect. Right. For him. Exactly. Where so if you're confident enough in yourself, man, put it out over the plate and trust it. Trust that they're not going to hit you hard. Trust in your stuff. Right. And trust in your defense. And I think that's the biggest thing because everyone says he, he's a good pitcher. And he is. He has great stuff. But I think when he tries to nibble around the edges too much. He tries he gets, to be way he, too cute. Yeah. He, he puts him in a situation. If you throw it down the middle, and like you said, trust your movement, I think he would be fine because it's hard for anyone to square him up. Yeah. I mean, um, I think last year he was leading the Angels with least home runs given up or something like that, or even this year maybe too. But it's hard to hit his stuff squared. Like just throw it down. I'm like, throw it down the plate. As long as you mm-hmm. have your movement, whether it's that, that fastball and that's coming at you, I, I think it's hard for anyone to, to hit a solid – solid contact and, and be able to drive it wherever they want. I, I think if he does pitch more, more contact and starts being such a strikeout pitcher, he yeah. can be really what the angels need in that, in that uh, top of the rotation. And it just saves the bullpen because he'd be able to go deeper in the games. Not the pitch count will be up so high. You know, you get, you get easy, you know, ground ball outs here and there, fly ball outs. Um, and if they do square you up, it's, it, they're not going to turn on you. You know, you throw so hard or the movement. So, you know, crazy that, you know, you're going to get a lot of, you know, just fly balls to right field. So trust in your stuff, bro. All right. So moving on. Yesterday was another game where the offense struggled. Um, Skaggs pitched five innings, giving up six hits, three runs, six uh, strikeouts. Um, the offense, again, they struggled, but rallied late, scoring four in the ninth. Um, Otani singled home two after Clippard walked the bases loaded. Yeah, that was interesting so, to see. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was good to see. You'll take anything at that point. Oh, so yeah. it was, it was a broken bat single. Hey. So it, and, it, and it worked. Take it. 
and you got the the um, I think he knocked in the tying run, and then Simmons came yeah. in and knocked in the next two runs. Simmons drivers in too, yeah. Yeah, and then I think Simmons was also a broken bat down the uh, it was third one baseline. Of, it was like no, it was a broken bat right up the middle. Oh, was it? Okay? Yeah, but uh, the what you know the one thing that stood out to me though, other than that, was the fact that um, uh, uh, oh. Ooh, my bad. But the one thing that stood out to me there is that, you know, Clippard walked the bases loaded. And so often the Angels have been leaving guys on, on base. base right. So for Otani to come through with a hit and for Simba to come through with a hit was big. Even though Clippard put those runners on and the offense didn't do much to get those runners on base. In I position, mean, they, but they were able to come through with the hits that they weren't exactly, coming yeah. through in the last two weeks. They weren't coming up with the clutch hits. And With Otani, guys in scoring position, yeah. yeah and exactly. Otani and Simba did. So even though it looks like the offense did struggle, which they did, they were able to produce the runs when they needed to. Two really big hits there in the ninth inning. Now, uh, Angels took a 5-3 lead into the ninth. Blake Parker was called in to get the save. He didn't do much to <laughs> help the help, situation, no. man. Uh, he came in and quickly put runners on base. Um, I believe they had scored a run on a single after a few walks. Yeah. And then uh, that brought up, uh, I think Granderson doubled, whatever. Uh, somehow Granderson got over to third. So it's on the corners. Do you have people at the corners? No outs. People at the corners, no outs. And, you know, you're thinking, man, that, you this know, is actually how Morales slip. hit that single, single that went off the top of the wall. It was almost oh, a yeah, run. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, he kind of pimped it out a little bit, too. Well, he's slow. I don't know if he would have got the yeah, second. Anyway, but anyways, he, yeah. We know he has a bad leg. We all know that. Yeah. But, uh yeah. First and third, no ounce. You're thinking, man, here we go. You know, it's it's one of those games that we're just going to – we battled back and then, we, you know, we're not going to be able to to win this game because, you know, we had a game like that. And I think it was in Seattle where it was just like, ah, oh, come back on. Fourth, yeah. Um, but that, you know, nobody on – nobody out. Runners on first and third. Granderson, a speedy Curtis Granderson was at third base, and this is what happened. Lead off single for Springer, the one-two. Craigman shoots one out toward right. Cole toward the corner, racing over. Near foul territory, reaches up, makes the catch. Springer's tagging, heading to second to throw a good one. And they got him! What a throw by Cole Calhoun yet again! We're going to take a look at it, obviously, but... My bad. That was bad, uh, the bad one. That was the one for against the Astros. He's had so many. I see it now. He has so many that it's bad. And he has so many that uh, uh, we don't even know when to, you know, which one to play. Like we can pick any one, and it'll be like amazing because his defense keeps us in games. And you know, so far this one. Now, so this is the one that we wanted to play for you. So the first one we played uh, was one to save the game too, right? Or was it to yeah, save? Yeah, I think it was. It was, uh, it was again, in the ninth thing to save a run. So that one was uh, the sixth outfield assist. And the one I played right now against the Jays was the seventh outfield assist. So um, just, you know, when you're not producing at the plate and you're able to help the team that way, um, that's, uh, I mean, hey, you got to step up and somehow. And he did that, you know with that throw. It was a great throw. 
Yeah, and I think a lot of people are still questioning whether or not he should be in the in the lineup. Um, I just I don't. When people say that and they're so flippant to why is he still playing? Why is he still playing? But I don't think anyone's ever really put out there what the best option besides him is. Um, right. Hermosillo yeah. is not bad. But he's I mean, a he's youngster. young. He has a good arm. I went to the game Friday where he made the his MLB debut and stuff like that. And there was a play where there was a guy on second and there was a pop fly to him. The guy didn't tag, so I don't know how much of it was actually on TV, but he ended up throwing to third just to hold him. And it was actually on a line. It was a little yeah. up the it was a little off, but as far as the strength, strength was there. there. Yeah. I don't know if he's as accurate as Cole, but he definitely looked like at least at that that time he he, he looked like he had a good arm. But offensively i don't think you can switch out an unknown for cole right now when you're i mean if you want to get him at bats and stuff like that great you can find ways to do it especially against left-handed batters but Mm -hmm. if it's a righty i don't see how you take cole out and put uh hormacio in hormacio in Um, yeah you kind of have to put him in the lefties and 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 if he starts killing lefties then then yeah then you could probably put him in more towards the righties and stuff like that but um, with Cole struggling at the, at the plate, but him doing so well at defense, it, it's something the Angels need, and it's something the Angels really want to have as a good defensive team. Yeah, absolutely. And and the thing with, with Cole, and you mentioned arm accuracy, I mean, it's always right on the money. Right. Now, what I did hear about with this clip is, I'm going to play it again just because I want you, this is what I noticed about this guy. I'll play it again right now. Notice the announcer, I think it's Terry Smith, right? Yeah, Terry um, Smith and Mark Langston. They already assume, like, just by hearing it, like, oh, here's a fly ball. It's going to be a tie game. Like, listen to it again. I want you guys to listen again. And this is how accurate. I mean, this is how, I mean, it was a great play. It saved the game. It won the game for the Angels. Here it is again. Just listen to Terry Smith. Here's the 1-1 pitch. And this one is lifted high in the air into right center field. Cole Calhoun's going to make the catch. Let's see what Granderson decides to do. He will tag. Here's the throw to the plate. And he is out. Seventh outfield assist this season for Cole. Look how pumped up he is. A gutsy play going on that yep. one with Cole's arm, but a perfect throw. Now, it, I, to me, it was like, well, uh, Cole Calhoun's going to get make the catch here. He's going to try to get, like, it was, like, surprising. Like, you know, like, oh, Granderson's going to score here. And, man, as the league just not, I mean, how do you? How you not know in the scouting report? Like it's just crazy, you know. I mean, I almost every time they hit it to him, I'll go, go. Yeah, I always say like, run, test him, just test go him, ahead. Test Let's him. see what happens. Yeah, test you know? him. But um, that's the one thing about Cole, man. He's stepping up defensively. So good win for the Angels. They got the win. Come from behind, took it five to four. Um, Parker got the last out, got the save. save. Today's game was uh, a nine thirty in the morning game. On Facebook Live. Yeah, before we start talking about what 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 did you? Because I saw a lot of a lot of hate, a lot of hate engine. Just like, oh, why don't they play it here? Why don't? And my whole thing is, I don't, I don't understand what the deal is because it's not like it's it, Facebook is not something you need to pay for. Right. I mean, it's not like something that oh man, I got to put an extra you know couple bucks to buy this subscription or whatever. It's it's free for everybody. If it helps MLB reach a broader audience, then I don't see what's the big deal. But what did no. you think about it? I loved it. Maybe if I was at home on a day off, like right now, maybe I wouldn't like it because I'd rather watch it on my TV. 
But I'm at work at 9.30 in the morning, as is maybe 60 to 70% of all Angels fans. Right, exactly. And I think so, that was my big thing was that I don't understand what yeah. the big deal is. I mean, if they were, if you were to tell me, okay, they're going to do it every midweek travel day, you know, and then that's fine. Heck Grand, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, you wouldn't want to do it on a, like a Sunday because everyone no. is home and stuff like yeah. that. But if you were to tell me they were going to do it like starting next year and, and – Facebook paid MLB a hundred million dollars to get the rights for, you know, one game a week. It doesn't have to be the Angels, but just one game a week on a Wednesday or Thursday when it's a travel day and they start at, you know, if it's on the East Coast, it'll be like you said nine nine thirty, and even if it's on the West Coast, it's going to be more likely twelve or one o'clock. That's still perfect because, like with me today, I threw it on at, on my lunch. I got to see the last couple of innings of it, so it, it worked out great. Yeah, I, I I don't, and I put up a little. Um, impromptu poll i guess because because of me just seeing all the the hate from it and stuff like that and people not understanding why they're doing it but you know it the poll came back and it's still going on so if you want to go to uh, halo underscore haven on on instagram and look at our story it, it's still up there but you know 41 percent said they like it but 59 said no and i just don't for the people that said no i don't understand why because like you said i granted you can watch you would rather watch it on your tv but with technology nowadays and everyone should have or not should have but every majority of people have you know a quote-unquote smart tv or whatever mm-hmm. you can throw it up on there and then just like a regular tv tv broadcast yeah. but i mean i i like it if if this is a way for mlb to get more revenue in and and broadcast it to a younger audience and help grow the game that way then i think it's all plus i'm all for it i was at work nine thirty in the morning i take my i took my break so i watched the first inning and a half on my break on my desktop computer had to go out and do some work, so I put my phone on the Facebook watch, put my headphones in, put my phone out of pocket. I was listening to the audio of the game. They were telling me what was happening because if this game would have been on Fox Sports West and I'm at work, I'm checking ESPN live app to see what's going right, on. Right, exactly. Rather than actually listening to the game and listening to what's happening. Yeah. People were complaining about the announcers suck and blah, blah, blah. You know what? The announcers to me don't matter. I don't, I'm watching a baseball game. Well, you could tell, too, that – this is Facebook's first season doing yeah. this, so you can tell there's a lot of with that aspect of the game. There's a lot of up and downs that yeah. they're working through. Like obviously, um, they probably don't have the most polished guys in there, which no. is fine. But again, it's Facebook Live you know doing it, it, on, it a, on a nine o'clock and on the West Coast. It's, it's free. Yeah, and beggars exactly. can be choosers. Other if 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 the game's on Fox Sports West and I want to listen to the Angels game or I want to watch the Angels game while I'm at work, I have to buy the MLB subscription package, yeah. package app. And this was Facebook Live. It was free. It was Wally Joyner's first ever live, uh, his first broadcast ever of a baseball right. game. That's what I'm saying. It's they're they're so, rough around the edges because they're new at it. Yeah, and it was Wally Joyner, who's an angel, so one of the angels' legends. And I uh, asked a question on Instagram live after the game, and he answered my question. So, so that's why you like. Yeah, I loved it. But anyway, <laughs> during the during the game, the actual game, the Angels won eight to one. It was an offensive explosion in this in a sense because explosion. they um they hit around. Everybody in the in the lineup got a hit except for Valbuena and Cole. Um, and I'll give Albuena a hit there because he actually got a hit. It landed in front of the right fielder, and he kind of deked Shohei Otani and it up so kind of the fielder's choice. choice. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Luis got a hit. The only real guy that didn't get a hit was was Cole. He, he took another 0 for 4 day. Uh, but anyway, uh, Tropiano was the story of the game. Yes. Seven and one-thirds innings pitched, four hits, one run, one walk, struck out six. One mistake all game was yeah, a long, you know, run. the solo home run by uh, Smith Jr., he was in command of the whole game, and, you know, the offense showed up in this one. Again, uh, Trout and Pujols home runs in this game. Um, 
uh, Maldonado was two for four with, you know, three RBIs. Um, and then, you know, Simba just stays hot, dude. Yeah, I and mean, that's the thing, too. You like to see it because it was the eight runs on 12 hits. So yeah. besides Trout and Pujols both hitting solo home runs, um, you know, everything else they got was, like, we're talking what they have struggled with, putting consistent, you know, three, four hits back to back to back. And it was great to see the the – the scoring spread out too, not all focused on one inning. I mean, you got two in the second, one in the third. You got another. You got one in the fifth, seventh, and eighth, and then two in the ninth. So it's, it wasn't just oh, boom, we're going to hit you with eight runs in the third and fourth inning. Like no, they spread it out. Yeah, and they're able to put hits together, and you're able to put consistent at bats together and get guys move guys around. I think that's the biggest thing. They're able to move guys around without the ball leaving the ballpark. They- came up with hits when uh, they needed to, too, with runners in scoring position. Right. So that's that's crucial right there. So that wraps it up for our weekend review of the Angels. You know, um, like to have gotten more wins against the Rays because that's a team they should have beat. They took the series against the, the Blue Jays, which is good. You know, and then they, they, they you know, lost that final game yeah, against still, Astros. I still so. think they're undefeated as far as um, series on the road. They still haven't lost a road series yet. Well, that's good. See? It's not, <laughs> when they come to the big A, man, I'm telling you. All right, so let's just address real quick. We've kind of been talking about it throughout the whole week and review the struggling offense. Um, I think it's just a matter of, you know, like you, like we've been talking about throughout this podcast, it's about being able to come up with hits consistently and spread them out. Um, you know, um, leaving guys on base can do so much because, you know, you, you go out there and you get runners on second and third with no outs or one out, and you don't get a run across. That can change the whole dynam- dynamic of the game the rest of the way. It gets you down, you know. I think it's just about finding consistency throughout the lineup and then getting guys who are not hitting particularly well a hit here and there. You know, Kinsler had a double today. That could, you right. know, t- turn things around. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people like to put the blame on Calhoun right now, which is I, I get it. Like, I'm not saying people are wrong or right about it. But if you look at the overall team in the last seven days, now this isn't counting um, today's game, obviously, because I did all this stuff while the game was going on. But right. If you look at the previous seven games before that, the team as a whole is only batting 190 with three home runs and 19 RBIs. Yeah. So it's hard to put all that on one dude. Right. When it's like I said, it's, it's kind of a team thing. When when Trout struggle, you expect guys to step up, but it, it hasn't happened this, yet this year. When he's on, everyone else seems on, and maybe that's what it was today too, because he had that home run. He got a couple. You got on base a couple times, and that kind of just made everything flow. But. You know, guys need to be able to produce when their best players aren't. And so hopefully this kind of makes makes them turn a corner and is able to get hot again and be able to put up some more runs. Right. Now, good segue into, you know, struggling offense. Does the – here's a question I'll ask you because it leads into our next, you know, little topic point here. Otani to, mix, to uh, miss his next start in New York on Sunday. Do you think this is a move – you know, I know they're saying it's workload. They're trying to, to, to uh, you know, decrease his workload. But do you think this has to do a little bit with this offense struggling a little bit and keeping his bat in the lineup? I think it is a little bit of both when you think about, all right, well, normal pitchers, they pitch, and then they have days off in between, you know, every right. outing. But it's like a legit day yeah, off. They like, don't yeah, do anything. Yeah, okay, yeah they Maybe might have a bull, Yeah, they have cash. They maybe have a bullpen session here and there. Uh, Tommy's doing all that. But he's also taking BP. He's also playing in games. He's also cage work. Yeah, and, and I'm sure too. As you, as a pitcher, know your legs are just as important as your oh, arm. Dude, your, your legs are probably more important than your right. Arm at so some when point. when he's on base, running bases, or coming back, or doing this, I'm sure that's just as taxing as anything else. So 
when they say workload, I believe it. Um, but also, I mean, if you just if you just look at the stats, the Yankees are scheduled to pitch three righties this weekend. Scheduled, so I don't know if anything's going to change. Mm-hmm. But Otani has an on base plus slugging versus righties. Oh, it's a one point oh six four, which is really really good for if people you know aren't familiar with the stat compared to um, left handers where he's you know point five uh, five five eight. Yeah. So maybe it's a. I believe honestly, I believe it's a combination of both. When you see those numbers against him and against righties, keep him in the lineup. Keep him in the lineup. Yeah. And the same thing, if if you can save his arm for maybe down the road, but you're still able to get production out of him, you're not. He's not. We're gonna push the start back, and he's not gonna do anything for the next week. No, if if you push the start back, and they said back, he could start Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever. Um, but at least if he's able still to get in, and Sosha did not rule him out not playing this whole weekend, so. Um, I mean, obviously he's probably going to play tomorrow. Saturday, I'm guessing he will. Sunday might be a question mark. Now I'm guessing if he doesn't pitch, if he doesn't play Sunday, that might mean they push him back till Monday or Tuesday. But um, yeah, it, he's doing so much right now, and he's a first player to really do this go both ways. Yeah. So everything the Angels do is going to be like a test. Let's see how he does this. Okay, let's now let's bring it back cuz there's not a book. There's nothing nothing that they yeah. can look up and say, "Oh, well, this is how this team did it with this guy." No, they're going to be the ones writing the book. So if a guy like this ever comes around again, people can look back and say, "Oh, well, this is how the Angels handled Otani." But right now the Angels are kind of just going by the seat of their pants trying to figure out what's best to make him not only comfortable but prolong his um his season. Yeah, I know you're 100% right. And I, you know, I kind of lean towards both as well because you're right. The guy doesn't really take a day off. He he has a quote unquote scheduled day off, but he's doing cage work. He's throwing bullpens. You know, like when a normal, you know, pitcher would take the day off completely. You right. know, even just sit in the dugout and do nothing the whole game. No, he's got cage work to do. He's got bullpens to throw. So um, he's on the field running. Yeah, like, on bases. Yeah. Like he he stole like a base last, last night. night and even today. Yeah. So you know it. it a little bit of both, and I know Japan is probably pissed because it was supposed to be Otani versus Tanaka on Sunday. Well, it was supposed to be that last time yeah. too, and it still didn't work so out. The Angels aren't aren't cooperating too much for the country of Japan. <laughs> um, the other topic point I wanted to talk to you about was, you know, actually the uh, the the moves the Angels made, not just only in the trade they traded uh, outfielder or infielder uh, Chris Carter to Minnesota, and they uh, let go of uh, Schimpf. A guy that right. picked up, you know, at the early beginning of the season. Right. And not only that, but they made moves in the minor league systems, uh, calling up Joe Adele to uh, high A uh, Inland Empire, uh, Brandon, Brandon Marsh. Marsh. Um, we talked about Matt Thias moving up to AAA. AAA. Yep. So um, I'm thinking the Carter move was probably to put to give him room because Thias is also a first baseman. So right. Um, to get him at bats, they're gonna have they were gonna have to move somebody, and it, yeah. And Carter was was the the odd man out because um, he's older. Definitely, he's yeah. he's you know if he is on the team if he does make some kind of contribution it's only going to be for this year yeah but if you can get a young guy like him Thice who was a first round draft pick um, two years two top Angels prospects yeah two years ago um, if you can get him at bats at a high high level like that Triple A and then I'm not saying next year but maybe maybe midway through next year or the, or the beginning of the um, what would that be 2020 season if he can be that DH first baseman guy mm-hmm. then great. Um, then you then you you spent your your time wisely putting him in Triple A. So yeah. um, again, too, like you said, um, Joe Adele, Brandon Marsh, Jemai Jones. So you have pros- uh, prospects two, three, and four up with Inland Empire sixty sixers, and just 
what a stacked team. Yeah, you, you look at it. Um, Our friends at the Sixers, by the yeah, way. Yeah, we'll be out there this weekend. I'll, I'll be out there this weekend for the games, and then we're going to try to get an interview with some of these guys too. But uh, you look at Joe Adele and Brandon Marsh, I mean, more so Adele, but if he can move up and, and Marsh can move up and, and, and progress, you might be seeing your corner outfielders you know, in two, three years right there. Because mm-hmm. you got to figure, pool holes might be getting worked out. Um, I'd like to see up and up then be more of a DH type when pool holes is getting moved out. Right, and then you can bring in the young guys like uh, Adele and Marsh to play the corners. Um, you know, maybe in two years, three years, or whatever yeah. the deal is. But um, again, Jemiah Jones playing second base. Yeah, um, let's it, not forget about Torrey Hunter Jr. And Torrey Hunter Jr. is still down in, in the Burlington. short, yeah, in, mm-hmm. in a short A season. But uh, it's great to see these guys move up. You see them drafted. You see all the hype behind them. Um, and, and to see that the number one prospect that the Angels have right now is uh, Inland Empire, and he's only 19 is, yeah. is a really good sign. I can't wait to go. We're, we're, we're going to try to be out there tomorrow to get some interviews. interviews. I'll be at the game tomorrow and Saturday to watch. Right. I'll be there just to get the interviews tomorrow. Um, and then, you know, uh, won't be there Saturday, but – uh, hopefully we can get the interviews with Joe and and Brandon Marsh and kind of get an inside of you know their progression through the system and and uh, you know how they feel about moving up so to uh, in an empire and whatnot. But anyway, so that's pretty much going to wrap it up for this section of the show. We're going to run uh, a work, quick word from our sponsors and we'll be right back. We do have a schedule. We have a uh, interview that we're going to play for you guys with former Angel skipper Marcel Latchman. It was an interview, impromptu, quick interview that I had with him. At Inland Empire 66, it was last Friday. He was there for a Halo Days in Inland Empire where, you know, the Angels bring in former players and coaches to kind of sign autographs and, and talk with the people. And, nice, you know, Marcel was nice enough to give us a few minutes of his time while he was signing autographs there in the concourse section. So uh, we'll be back after a word from our sponsors. Hey, what's up? Johnny Catfish here, ambassador for Groom Goon Beard and Body Care. Are you tired of your beard feeling rough and not so fresh? Do yourself a favor and do what I did and check out www.groomgoon.com. Groom Goon carries a variety of beard oils and beard and body soaps that will leave your beard feeling soft and smelling great all day long. Don't just take my word for it. Go check it out for yourself. Again, that's www.groomgoon.com. And at checkout, use discount code CATFISHTHEGOON, all one word, CATFISHTHEGOON, and receive 15% off your purchase. Why choose Groom Goon? Well, because your beard deserves it. Listen to my show, The Punk Corner, on KJ Epic Radio, every Thursday from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Hey, I'm Trent Rush. You're listening to the All Angels Podcast. All right, we are back. Thank you to our sponsors or the ones that, uh, you know, hooked us up with these, uh, these uh, you know, the equipment, equipment that we use that every we day. Use. Yeah, equipment that we use, man. Um, that's key for us to do. So big shout out to uh, the Alley Cat SoCal. You can follow them at the Alley Cat SoCal on Instagram and then their website. It's, they have a big cartel website. It's the Alley Cat SoCal at bigcartel.com. 
there you can shop, you know, for any of their, you know, uh, anything they, that they sell at their stores. They do have a shop in uh, Riverside, in uh, the Harupa Valley area of Riverside. Um, so if you want to know, you know, the location of the shop, you can just go on their Instagram page. And, you know, they, they post daily things. Bobby's on there posting. Um, he's also a tattoo artist with his own studio there as well. So um, check him out, uh, the Alley Cat SoCal. All right, so as I mentioned before, we had an interview with Marcel Latchman, uh, former skipper of the Angels and longtime pitching coach. Um, Chris and I were talking about how when we think about our maybe like formative teen years, uh, the manager of the Angels was Marcel Latchman. So when we think of Angel skippers, we think of Marcel. I think of Marcel. I think of I think of Buck Rogers. I think of Doug Rader. I think of obviously Mike Sosha because he's been the manager for he's like twenty for, years. Yeah, now. but I say he's been there longer than anybody. Yeah, but uh, Marcel's a guy I remember because he was the guy that was the manager when I was like in my formative years of being a baseball fan, and it was those years where I still wanted to be a major league baseball player. And Marcel Asma was the manager of the Angels, so he was out there signing autographs, and it was an impromptu. Uh, interview that we had and i really wish i would have had more time to kind of prepare for it um really i was just trying to get a sound bite and i and then chris goes let's just interview him and i'm like dang what am i gonna say and i was like i don't know i was like you know what spur of the moment let me just do go it. at it do it um so if the questions sound kind of like out of left field like whoa like how did you go from there to there it was me just trying to think of something to say and there was things that i i did legitimately want to ask him that was in the back of my mind so here's the interview that i had with marcel Latchman. Live from San Manuel Stadium last Friday during the 66ers home game. Hey, what is going on? This is Johnny Maggs from the All Angels Podcast. And I have the pleasure of speaking with Marcel Latchman, former skipper of the Angels here. Uh, live from San Manuel Stadium in San Bernardino. Marcel, good to meet you. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Now, one question that I've always wanted to ask you because I've been a longtime Angel fan is... Did you know that the core group of angels that you coached would eventually become the stars that they did, like Tim Salmon, Garrett Anderson, Jim Edmonds, players like that? We thought they would, yeah. We thought, you know, they were all quality players, and, uh, you know, it just kept building and building and building, and, and eventually, you know, they won the World Series with that, with that group as a core group, Garrett Anderson and that whole group. But, yeah, we thought it was going to be a special group. Right, and then uh, I know you were there with, with the, when the angels drafted uh, Darren Erstad. Now, how big, how big of a of a guy did you guys think that Hurst would become? Because I remember when he got drafted, there was a lot of like hype behind him. Would you, did you think that he'd become the player that he became? Well, I don't know if you ever became thinking he's going to be as good a player as Garrett and Darren became because he was, you know, he was a Gold Glover in two positions, right. really first place in center field, and but he had that football mentality. He was a very aggressive, hardworking player. He was, he was a special player, and you could see that uh, he was going to do some things special. Whether he was going to predict that much, it was hard to say. But it was a kind of a gutsy draft because he was a football guy. He right. was a punter, right? And uh, played a little bit of baseball, not a lot, right? So uh, you know, the scouting department took, kind of took a gamble, but it was a pretty good one, right? Now, saying that he's a grinder, football guy. Now, hindsight being twenty twenty, he's a manager over in Nebraska. Did you ever think maybe he would become a manager? Oh yeah, no. Darren was that kind of guy. He was. He's very intense, but he was also very smart, and he spent. You know, he didn't. Uh, he didn't let anything get turned. You know that, that he didn't really take a look at real deep. And he was. He was. It was not a surprise at all. He became a, a manager. We thought he would be a baseball professional manager, right. but a college coach and a very successful one. Any, maybe, aspirations? Or you, do you think that maybe he one day would become a major league uh, manager? 
I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I mean, uh, of course, Nebraska is something pretty special right. to, to Darren itself. Right. You know, so that's that's a pretty special gig to have that. That, but he definitely. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I think he'd be able to handle it very easily. Awesome. Now, my final question for you is, so many years you've been involved with baseball in a, on a manager position. What, is there one game that stands out to you as, wow, I remember this game being so you know intense, or what is the greatest game you've ever managed? Well, it obviously has to be the 86 game five and the 86 playoffs that we actually lost. Uh, but I remember Gene Mock was managing, and then we played 11 innings, and we had the lead. We lost right. the lead. We got back and tied it up. We had a chance to win it and finally lost it. And at the end of the game, I remember Gene saying, man, that was the greatest game ever. And I'm going like, really? Right, after a loss. But he it just the way Gene's mind went, you know, all the things that were going on, he loved it. Right. And it was, I don't think I've ever been as worn out in my life, and I didn't do anything physically, you know, but it was, right. it was a dream. But that was... That was a special game. I right. mean, obviously, it didn't work out as well as you know for us, but right. it was a crazy game. Now, that that's a game that I remember vividly because the Red Sox made my mom cry. I was like six, seven years old when that happened, but I was in attendance for Game Four when Bobby Gritch walked off. I vividly, I don't vividly remember it. I kind of remember it. I remember bits and pieces. I was a little kid, but it had to be a letdown after the win in Game Four, right? I mean, it had to. What what the decision of bringing Donnie Moore? Obviously, you had to make that decision, right? Well, that was, you know, Gene had said in about the seventh inning that uh, if uh, Ron Gedman came up again with the game on the line, Mike wasn't going to pitch to him, meaning Mike Witt, because Mike, right. you know, was dealing. He hit, I think he did a home run and he hit a couple balls real hard already. Well, that's when he came up in that ninth inning, we brought in Gary Lucas. Right. And Lucas hit him with the first pitch, and he gets on base. And then uh, uh, or, uh, Dave Henderson comes up, and, right. and that's when we brought Donnie in, and he had two strikes on him, made a good pitch with, to get strike two, which was a split, and tried to throw another one. It was actually a ball right. below the strike zone, and right. he hit it out. The thing people don't for, remember is that wasn't the end of the game. No. That was the top of the ninth. Right. In the bottom of the ninth, we actually had tied the game up and had the bases loaded and only one out, wow. and we couldn't get that run in. Wow. So it was Obviously, I remember it. Right. We all do as Angels fans. We vividly remember it. So we appreciate uh, you taking some time to, to talk with us, Marcel. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. So that was our impromptu quick interview with Marcel Latchman. He took some time out of his schedule there. He was signing autographs for fans, and he had to go out and throw the first pitch for um, the 66ers. So we, I, you know, I had took some pictures of him. I actually took a pretty good, decent camera with me over to the 66ers and took some pictures. He was out there warming up uh, with the players. Um, the Angels wore their red uh, Angels jerseys that day, or the Sixers did, and. Um, it's cool to see Marcel out there playing catch. and But he took some time and, and talked to us. And the fact that he remembers, like you said, he remembers all this stuff spur of the moment. Um, just a great baseball mind, you know? Um, yeah, definitely. That's the, that's the one thing when I listened back to the interview was, um, it's like, you know, you asked him about stuff in the 80s and stuff like that. And yeah. and he's just like, oh, yeah, almost like it made me feel it was last week or yeah. last season or something like that. But he was like, oh, yeah, and, and, and he told me this and he told me that. I'd be like, whoa, that's. That's pretty. That's pretty. That's pretty good to see that he's just pulling stuff up. Like, oh yeah, I remember this. Oh yeah, I remember that. Uh, that was a really good part of the interview. Was that? Oh yeah, it wasn't like, oh well, I don't remember or I don't not yeah. sure. Blah yeah. blah blah. He was really cool. He was totally up for it. And uh, if we would have had more time, I'm sure he would have definitely sat there with us longer. So, um, thank you again to Marcel Latchman to the Inland Empire 66ers for giving us the access to him, um, giving us field access and everything. I mean, thank you guys again. Can't wait to get out there tomorrow. Um, 
So we're going to move forward here now to our poll questions. And, Dan, uh, you post these up every Monday. Yeah, and kind of going with the whole Marcel Latchman, old school um, angel manager, um, this week's poll question on our Twitter at Halo underscore Haven on Twitter. The question was, um, what was your favorite or what is your favorite team name throughout the year? So you have the California Angels, you have the Anaheim Angels, you have the Los Angeles Angels, and then you have the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. That last one's really wordy. Yeah. But anyways, so I, I, no surprise, um, California Angels ran away with it uh, with 57%. Um, Anaheim Angels was at 38%. Los Angeles Angels was 5 and not a single person voted for Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, which <laughs> I guess is not a surprise. But right. I, I think – I don't know if people thought the Los Angeles Anaheim was now – or a throwback to the original. I took it as like an original throwback. So I wonder if people mm. saw it that way, if that would have got more votes. But I picked, I picked myself. I picked California Angels because that's just kind of what I grew up on. Well, I was, I picked California Angels, and I was, that's the answer I was going to give. Is the fact that we were all alive when they were California Angels. Right. We we were all alive. We 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 were kids. Yeah, and, I, and a lot. Of, I, I saw some comments. People were like, "Oh, I don't know what the vote for California or the, the vote for Anaheim because Anaheim uh, was I was for Anaheim. I'm sorry. Was the well because of the World Series <laughs> yeah, year and stuff like that. But people were like, "Oh, I don't know." But yeah, I, I went with California just because a I like the logo better and b um, yeah. I just I, that was what I grew up as. And I'm a history buff, so I love right. the history of the Angels, even though it you know it's not as like you know freaking fancy as the Dodgers or Yankees, but. You know, it's it's my history, and it's, right. it's California Angels. It's just a classy name, the classy logo. I wasn't gonna not vote for An. I was not gonna vote for Anaheim because I'm not from Anaheim. I think yeah. the people that get bent out of shape about the name change are the people from Anaheim, and they right. should. When a team is in your city, and you finally get the team named after your city, right? And then it gets taken away. Of course, you're gonna get mad. Right. But to me, I'm from Riverside. I could care. It could be the Oxnard Angels. It can be whatever. I've been an Angels fan my whole life. It's like with the Raiders. You know, I have my 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 cousins. They were like, "Oh, why are you still a Raiders fan?" You know, they moved from. I'm, you know, dude, I was never from Oakland, mm-hmm. so that I was never from LA. Now you're not now from Vegas. I'm not from Vegas, so it doesn't matter. I think they can be the freaking uh, Texas Raiders, and I still be a Raiders fan. It doesn't matter to me. So, um, just the city thing. People get bent out of shape. It's always a hot topic button thing yeah. to push. But California Angels. I mean, just the classy. Classy name, classy logo, history, right? Oh, yeah. I, I like it. I like it. And maybe in the weeks to come, I'll put up different logos throughout the years. And we'll, Ooh, that'd be a good and we'll vote. But we'll vote just strictly on the logo. look. The look. look. Not yeah. not what year yeah. it's associated with, but just the which logo. logo. Yeah. yeah. I like there, that there's, a, there's, there's quite a bit that I personally like, and I don't know what I would pick. But, I mean, that's probably something in the bag of, of – of, uh, of poll questions that I can pull from when the season or when the time is right. So pretty sure you and Chris know which one I'm not going to pick. <laughs> <laughs> I do not like Perry Winkle. Oh, that's my favorite, but I do. I mean, I have, I'll put that in and then no other options. I, have, have to, uh, <laughs> I won't vote. <laughs> All right. So let's quickly get into our emails. We didn't have too many. We did have a few, but this one came from Mike vigil and this was three days ago. So, he put, wow, how bad has this offense been? Even with Sunday's victory, the Angels only had four hits. We talked about that. Um, when it's not starting pitching, it's a bullpen. If it's not either of those two, it's offense. Still rather early. 
but they need to string together some consistency. That's exactly what I talked about earlier. We've been talking yep. about they just need to be consistent at the plate, you know, string but together. Yeah, hits, hits back to back. That's the big the thing. Yep. Not leaving guys on base. Yeah, that's huge. The next question comes from Lamar Washington. He said, man, it's been a rough couple of weeks. Big come from behind win tonight. We're talking about yesterday. What do you guys think uh, is happening with this team? Um, Pretty much the same answer. Um, can't yeah. leave guys on base. Consistency. Um, not like you said earlier, pitching's on, hitting's off, hitting's on, pitching's off. It, it's when the angels are on, I think they're as good as any team, but the fact that they're not as consistent as you're like, the, if you look at the major league baseball right now, there's like three teams. At least if you look at the AL, there's three teams and everybody else. There's, there's Houston, there's New York and there's Boston. And then there's everybody else. I don't think, um, the Angels are on that level yet just because they're not as consistent as those other teams. Can they play with them in a short series? Yeah, definitely. But if you're looking at the at the long long haul, I think those three teams are the best, and then the Angels are just in the mix. There's like three teams that are really good. There's like four teams that are really bad, and everyone else is in the middle. Yeah, and the Angels are good enough to, like you said, string together some wins against these teams in short series for sure. That 2002 team that won the World Series was not the best team at all. No. Major, they weren't even considered playoff content. I mean, they were considered to be in the mix, but definitely not considered even to make the wild card that year, and they won. And this team, I think, on paper, is better than that 2002 team. Just looking at the names and in the, in the, in on paper. Next email comes from Daniel Ortega. He said, a rough week is an understatement. Two and five since you guys la- did your last podcast. Thanks for that. Cause three I and five. Three and five with the win, yeah, today. Just updating. Yeah. As a friend, uh, as a... I think he said a fan. He said friend. But as a fan, it's very hard to watch this team lose. Damn autocorrect. The way they do. They either kick butt or do nothing at all. We talked about that. Yep. Lately, obviously, the offense has been brutal, and the starting pitching has been solid. Do you guys think that it's a rough spell for the offense, or is it something missing that I'm not catching? I mean, I'm going to go with the rough spell. It's The season's roller coaster ride, and right now they, you know, they've strung together eight, 12 hits and eight runs today. So, yeah. you know, it's going to be up and down all year long. Right. I mean, yeah. you look at the be- the beginning of the year, the first month of the season was really good, and this season's kind of been – I mean, they're still above 500 this month, I believe. Um, but it's not as – Two not, games over. Yeah, not as good as it was last month. So you pretty much have one good month, one average month, and you're not sure what the team is. So maybe, yeah. you know, the month of June might be something to look out and say, okay, at the end of June we'll have a, a lot better idea of what these – what this team is, what other teams are, because if you look at the standings right now, kind of like what I was talking about earlier, you're not – I don't feel you're not going to compete for that division. You're not. No, I mean, but, the but, Astros are just Yeah, ridiculous. but if you look at the wild card, you, you're right there. I mean, granted, you're a game and a half out now of Seattle, but Seattle lost Cano. They, uh, yeah, they just lost D. Gordon, so I can't see I how see. them maintaining that. So Even with them, I didn't I don't I thought they'd be in the mix, but I don't think they're better. Right. They so are. I think realistically as as Angel fans, I think we are realistically looking at that second wild card spot. And so if they're there all season long in the mix that at that point all season long, it's exactly what you what you want. So again, I think it's just a rough spell. I think June will tell a lot about what the team actually is and if they should be making moves or, or hold patent, but we can get into that. And I know it's early, like super early to talk about playoffs, but at this point, being the second wild card is in, is uh, big for the Angels. I'd rather be the second wild card play on the road. <laughs> <laughs> right now, Angels, that's what the Angels, that's part of their plan. They that's want that, a plan. They want that second wild they want. 
They want that second wild card spot, play on the road, and they want to be the away team or have more games on the road for the playoff series. So they, you know, play four on the road. It might as well be home uh, field advantage. Now I get it. It's all part of the plan. Dang. See, everyone wants social fired, but I think he's being an evil genius right now. Yeah, he sees how their team's (laughs) playing on the road. He's like, I want on the road. Uh, This one comes from Duncan Healy, and this is the last email uh, for the week. How impressive was Nick Tropiano today? He needed that, especially after the outing he had on Saturday against the race. He was twirling the jam out there today, and the offense finally came together. It was a, it was good to hear the curator again. Yeah, now the curator's gone again. Yeah, well, Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Tropiano uh, came up big for the Angels today. Uh, saved the bullpen a little bit there. Uh, the offense strung together uh, hits when they needed to. It was good to see Ian Kinsler. Uh, get a double there. Um, would have liked to have seen Cole Calhoun get in in the mix, but he just continues to struggle. But aside from Cole Calhoun, and the Angels put it together today. They took the series from the Rays. Now they go into New York for three games, and then they go to Detroit for four, and then they come home yep. for Texas and Kansas City for six games, three with each team. So um, New York's going to be a test. Um, hopefully they can uh, kind of redeem themselves from what happened to us here at home. We are on the road. We're a better team on the road. Um We'll see what happens. Um, Detroit is a team that we should be beating, yeah. so we'll see what you happens should, there. That, that Detroit looks like, or to me, reminds me of how they were with the Baltimore. They should, yeah, they should, they should take two out of. They should sweep, but you right. would settle for a two out of three. Yeah, they're actually playing four with them. Are they playing four? Yeah. So yeah, you you three, want dot, three, three out, out of four. one or or a four game yeah. sweep because they are just like I mean. Yeah, you, they got rid of everyone that has any kind of – I mean, you have Miggy that you still have to respect Miggy, mm-hmm. but other than that, you can probably pitch around them, and, yeah. and no one there is really going to hurt you. Yeah, you sh- they sh- Angels should win. It doesn't mean that it's they always the, 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 the thing that's going to happen. But, uh, you know, moving forward here is uh, we're going to move into June, and like you said, by the end of June, we kind of got a, a feeling of what this team is all about. And, um, you know, we'll see, you know, moving into the All-Star break and all that good stuff. So, um that's going to wrap it up for us. I don't know if you have anything else you want to touch yeah, on, Daniel. Just a reminder for everyone out there. We talked about it last week, but um, was it June 2nd? Yeah, Albert Pools bobblehead night. At Albert, Albert Pools bobblehead night against the Texas Rangers. We will be tailgating underneath the A. The bus will make an appearance. So if you are looking to go to that game or you weren't sure, um, come out, check us out. Um, the curator, John, and myself will all be there. Um Underneath the A, just hanging out. Um, we'll have the bus. You can walk through the bus. If you want to talk, you can talk. Photo ops. Uh, photo ops, $5. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> we'll have our 8 by 10s We'll autograph face them for shots. Yeah, 10 each. We're, we're going to work on it this weekend. Um, but, yeah, check us out. Again, June 2nd, Albert, Head, uh, Albert Pujols bobblehead uh, giveaway. So we'll be at the uh, Angel Stadium underneath the big A. Right. Or as close as we can get. Yeah. So come by. Check us out. Um but yeah. I'm sure I'm sure we're gonna Chris is gonna get us together probably to do a assembly line of uh, stuff. I know Sweatshop. we want to give giveaways. Um, yeah, we'll have stuff to give away. Yeah. I'll try to make uh, some uh, some things here and there too. So yeah, we'll have stuff to give away. We can you know if if you guys are listeners that are out in that area, would love to see and hear from you guys out there. But um, you know, but other than that, again, same old stuff. Um, Halo underscore Haven on Twitter and Instagram. So give us a follow. Um, any questions or comments, uh, email us at allangelspodcast at gmail.com. Um, we want to hear from you guys. Give us a review on iTunes. Help us out. Um, if we uh, start doing that, we'll start reading those out too as they come through. But, uh, yeah, thanks for subscribing. Tell a friend. Tell a buddy at work. 
you know, uh, we were out here in Riverside, so we deal with, we talked to a lot of guys that are out here in Riverside, but um, we'd love to talk to some more people that are from the Anaheim, Orange County area. But yeah, tell yeah. a buddy, um, subscribe, uh, spread the word. And also check out thehalohaven.com. Yes. That's thehalohaven.com. Um, I know Chris was up out there uh, kind of, you know, fixing up the website Updating a little it bit with more. photos and stuff, yeah. And, uh, you know, if you guys go out to the tailgate, we'll take more pictures. We'll upload those pictures onto the website. And uh, I know Chris wanted to do the fan highlights again. Uh, work on that, yeah, coming bringing it back. Well, now that there's yeah. three of us that can run it, I think it would be easier before. Oh, it, was it, was just, it was just him. It was just Chris. It was just him doing it, and that's a lot to put on his plate. So, yeah, yeah I'm sure now uh, we will be doing that more. And, and so if we reach out to you on our email, um, try to get a little email interview. Um, but, yeah, so yeah. keep a lookout. Yeah, for sure. So that's going to wrap it up for us today. Uh, we'll catch you guys next week for another edition of the All Angels Podcast. We'll do the week in review again. Same old, same well, old next, things. No, next week will be the month. Oh, the we'll month, month review. review next right. week. Yep. We'll do the month review, and we'll touch on the games that we played you know, throughout the week. And then uh, we'll hopefully by then have the interviews. With, we're hoping that tomorrow we get Joe Adele and, and Brandon Marsh. Or at least one we'll, of them, yeah. You know, at least one of them, and then we'll uh, we'll hopefully try to play that. If if not next week, we'll, in the upcoming weeks to come. Yes, but, definitely. Um, that's going to wrap it up for us today. I am Johnny Mangs. I'm Dan Garcia. And you've listened to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. Y'all have a great rest of your week. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring... The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And 
Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate.